From 99.9 The Fan, this is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Happy Leap Day, everybody. <laughs> the Drive with Tim Donnelly, 99.9 The Fan. Uh, Duke smoked Louisville last night. Way to go. Then the real news hit, the real challenge hit, uh, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, Duke bounced back from a tough loss to Wake. That's all you could ask for. That's why Louisville is there. Is like, hey, that last one seemed tough. You want one that's much easier? Here you go. Somehow I got caught up last night, as I often do in a wormhole uh, on the internet. I was I was down onto Louisville Twitter of just flabbergasted Louisville fans. Ah, huh, wow. Just put, they, they would they would record off their television uh, like a um, a full possession. And the caption would just be like, what is the goal here? Because <laughs> it would be Louisville with, you know, six guys guarding. And say, how do you have six on the floor? Six guys guarding Kyle Filipowski and no one guarding Jared McCain. And they'd just be like, is this the, is this the plan? There was one guy that jumped for a pump fake on Tyrese Proctor, and uh, which sounds normal, right? Jumping for a pump fake on a, a starting guard until you realize the pump fake was in the backcourt and there was – there was no reason to jump. Louisville was a free bingo square for Duke last night. All right, you just get one. Here you go. John Shire talked after the game about bouncing back from the loss to Wake. It's a good win. You know, I thought we had uh, thought we were a little, uh, not a little bit, but we were sloppy with the ball at different stretches. Besides that, 23 assists, you know, 43 rebounds, 13 offensive uh, I thought our defense was terrific in the first half, besides giving up some transition. Um, really did a good job making them play in the half court. That's a good step for us. It's great to get our 22nd win, 13th conference win, and, uh, and we have to move on quickly to get ready for Saturday. Only against the team at the bottom of the conference do you go. Sloppy with the ball, didn't really protect it for long stretches. Great win, played great. Look at all these awesome stats. Against the good team, sloppy with the ball, didn't didn't control it for long stretches becomes the reason why you, you, you're either in a, in a close one down the stretch or the reason why you lose. Yeah, we, uh, we lost by 12. Right? Yeah. So, hey, you know, we shot the ball pretty We just didn't protect the ball, and that's going to regret and haunt us forever because it cost us the game. Instead, against Louisville, it's, it's hey, you know what? We actually we didn't protect the ball, but, uh, you know, 22nd win, 13th conference win. Yeah, how does that sound? Pretty good. Kyle Filipowski played. He looked healthy, which obviously – I don't know how to phrase this. Uh, I have it in my notes as, as the world was concerned about his injury after the court storming deal, but I, I don't think the world was actually concerned because a lot of the world was just kind of poking fun at the whole situation. So uh, everyone was aware of Kyle Filipowski's potential injury after the court storming situation. Uh, the fact that Filipowski was back, looked healthy – that's a good thing for the uh, the Duke Blue Devils here. Shire on flip. Yeah, he did a good job. You know, he's just been uh, really poised, steady, competitive. And, you know, to have a guy like Kyle, like he's going to be a high draft pick and he's, you know, he's already scored over 1,000 points and he's done some amazing things. He is a guy that is not caught up in stats. And when you have a guy who's your leading scorer and been – really the, the number one guy in a scouting report for two years where he's just all about winning. It's really contagious. That's all the good news. You won. You bounced back from Wake. 
good play from from certain players. Filipowski looked healthy. That's the good. You want to get to the real challenge now? Caleb Foster. In a boot, on a scooter, and John Shire's heart hurts for him. Here's Shire talking about playing without Caleb Foster. You know, Caleb is such a steadying force for us, and he just makes everybody so much better on the court. And, you know, we looked at a couple different lineups today. I thought the guys off the bench did a really good job uh, giving energy, uh, providing defense, and, you know, playing their roles to the best that they could. And, you know, Sean, TJ, just for them to get some more game experience, we need those guys, man. And uh, I was happy with what they did. Ryan is going to be Ryan. You know, you know you can depend on him. That right there is the story for the rest of the season for Duke. It's going to be some time. They don't know how much time. Week to week for Caleb Foster out with a lower leg injury. That's the story for the rest of the season for Duke. How do they overcome not having one of the six guys that they trusted to be in their main rotation? And when does he come back? Do they do they rush him back? Do they not rush him back? What's his role when he comes back? How does Sean Stewart and or TJ Power and or Ryan Young play now that one of them at least is going to have to be a bigger part of the rotation? And we're not talking about just games like Louisville. We're talking about games like UNC. We're talking about games like the ACC tournament, right? Sean Stewart is fascinating to me. Sean Stewart might be the best athlete, pure, like if we were to, to the NFL Combine's going on right now. If we were to put the Duke basketball team through the Combine, right, if we were, if we were to put the Duke basketball team through some level of Combine, I'm not sure Sean Stewart's not the most impressive. And if you need rim protection or something. I don't think it's bad for him to get some some reps out there. That being said, you don't want to be forced to be getting him reps when the season's on the line. Well, it was good to get those minutes yesterday. It Louis- was valuable. Louisville was the last time to catch your breath. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you'd be gearing up for a, uh, an extended period, per- perhaps with Caleb Foster not playing. But when he was on the sideline in the boot, and not just in the boot, like the you know wasn't a walking boot, which sometimes you get just to – you know, speed up the healing process, but then on the scooter so he couldn't put any weight on it, you you start to get like, ooh, how is this going to play out? Where does John Shire turn? And how do you, like, it's the money ball thing, right? You're not just replacing a person. You're not just replacing, you know, uh, uh, you know, one single star or contributor. You're replacing all of the things that he does. And, and I thought it was interesting that John Shire in that clip we just played, the first thing he mentioned about Caleb Foster was his steadying presence. There were times this year where he was coming off the bench, right? The starting five actually was what it was last night uh, with Proctor being in the starting lineup and Foster coming off the bench. And I would notice that when, when Caleb Foster would come off the bench sometimes, whether it was with his, with his aggressive offense or, or just his presence, it would, it would be like if they didn't get off to a good start, he could go in and kind of give them a jump, right? He could be the the uh, ER television show people with the clear, bam, give them that little that little jolt. And and how, who takes that role, right? It's not just replacing Caleb Foster, who's, you know, a guard that can handle, you know, if you need a ball handler, if they're forcing a, 
you know, Roach to give it up or Proctor to give it up, not just a guy that can knock down jumpers, a, a twitchy athlete on the perimeter, but also from a, a social standpoint, from an, a, a team chemistry standpoint. You have to replace all of that. And then also be prepared to wrench it back in the other direction and go back to where you were if and when he's back and healthy from from the injury. It's It's really two major swings. The first is him being gone, and then assuming it's not a season-ending injury, at some point in a very crucial part of the season, you're going to have to bring him back. And and that is all the story for Duke basketball now. And as we said yesterday, they knew it was coming, or they knew it was the risk, not that it was coming. That When you limit your rotation to six guys, you are saying to anybody that, that's paying attention, we are one injury away from a big change, big change. And now they have to do it. Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. NFL combine going on. The NHL. I, I have always wanted to have a combine where you bring the best athletes from like the four or five major sports mm-hmm. and just see who would dominate which which events. Yeah. Uh, I remember Stanford did it years ago. It may have been, I think it was a Sports Illustrated article. May have been ESPN the the magazine. Uh, but they had like Stanford had all their sports. Guess who was the best? They had all their sports do a whole bunch of different like push up contests, sit up contests, sprints, miles, swimmers, swimmers dominated. Best like kind of overall trained athletes. Okay, swim laps if you want to get in shape, everybody. Uh, but the problem is the, I mean the football players right a pull up it's not all built the same. You get a three hundred and fifteen pound defensive tackle. All very different. One pull up is a lot more work. Uh, today is a big day for some of those big guys. It's a big day for the defensive linemen and the linebackers at the the NFL Combine, and that means it's a big day for a bunch of triangle college football NFL prospects. Peyton Wilson, NC State linebacker. Cedric Gray, UNC linebacker. Dwayne Carter, Duke defensive lineman. And Miles Murphy, UNC defensive lineman, are, are all out there at the the ultimate, some call it a meat market, some call it a – non-contact gladiator contention there there's the the spandex olympics it, it gets called occasionally they're all out there pouring their heart and soul and and muscles into 40 yard dashes and vertical jumps and bench presses and just nervous energy <laughs> that's kind of what i think of it as just pure total nervous energy um there there was a time not long ago where the college coaches, right, everybody invested in these players, their agents, their families, would be watching the the combine thinking he can make some real money today, right? He'd be he'd be thinking if he runs a four four, he's gonna vault from a third round pick to a late first. If he runs a four three, we're talking top ten pick. If he does this, who boy, everything's gonna change. I think those days are kind of gone at the combine. There's too many uh, Darius uh, Hayward Bays. There's too many John Rosses. Uh, I think there was a Campbell who was an offensive lineman from the University of Maryland that was drafted by the Raiders. 
pretty much because he ran like a four seven. Like, like there's too many examples of guys who maybe their film said they played slow, their forty said they played fast, they were drafted like they were fast. Bad draft picks. So now I, I'm starting to think that the NFL is caught up to where many of the observers were, which is you can't rise up your the draft board on uh, combine day. You can fall, though, right? If you, if you run a 4-4 and you look like you play fast, cool. If you run a 4-7 and you look like you play fast, mm, I'm going to treat you like you're slow. So – you know, the, the days of crazy good combine, combine performances, vaulting players into the first round are probably near the end, but you can still ruin your stock at the combine with bad numbers. It's really anti-player, right? Right, because unless you're one of the top, top guys, you know, if you don't participate in the combine, it looks like you're ducking, it looks like you're dodging, it looks like you don't want to compete. You're going to have to answer those questions. So what used to be an exciting event for players is now pretty much exclusively nerve-wracking. Let's look at Peyton Wilson for an example. Um, I'm going to say something that I know to be true. Peyton Wilson is fast. I know that's true. I've seen it happen. Yeah, like everyone has. I can cl- If I close my eyes right now, there's probably five different plays that I could watch in its entirety from my mind's eye, just off the old memory projector. I could, I could watch him going cross field, chasing someone down from behind that, that I just know he is a fast player. He is the freak athlete, but if he runs a four, six, four, six plus, he probably falls to a day three pick. If he runs a 4-3-8, which would be absolutely bananas for someone his size, I think he stays right where he's projected, which is a day two pick, maybe 10 picks earlier. It validates it. It validates what you're already watching, mm-hmm. and and but the fact of the matter is you can't improve on it. All you can do is validate. Like if you look fast on film, you run fast, everybody goes perfect. You look fast on film, you run slow, everybody goes, what's going on here? There's, there's no way for you to vault up. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So, in the most teeth chatteringly nervous way, we have to root for no disasters amongst the local guys. Right? It, it, it's, it's like, man, I had a good day. That's all. That's the best you can hope for. The best you can hope for is maybe a good day. Because a great day is just confirming what you see. The other thing that's going on at the Combine, maybe there's a new David Tepper. I don't know if you saw this, Dennis. Uh, We didn't talk about this in the pre-show meeting because I learned about it later. Uh, Josh Harris, the owner of the Commanders, Mm -hmm. is sitting in interviews for quarterbacks. I did see that. Sounds a little meddling-ish. I thought they got rid of Dan Snyder. It sounds – this, like – there has to be some deja vu going on with uh, with <laughs> Commanders fans on. going, wait, 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 wait. Wait a second. 
And now here, here's where I struggle with this, right? Because, I mean, obviously, if you're a Panthers fan, you're going like, wait a second, there's another one? Someone else has to go through this? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Is, oh, this Okay. All right. This is fine. Um, <laughs> here's, here's where I struggle with the David Tepper conversations and now the Josh Harris conversations. If you buy an NFL team and you put up billions, billions with a B and multiple of them, I do think you'd probably want to be in the room. <laughs> Yeah, if I spend billions of dollars for an NFL team, I'm going to sit wherever I damn well please. And and you don't want it like, yeah, I want to be in there. It, as as it was described to me, because I was having this conversation with a buddy, he said, I don't mind a fly on the wall. I agree with that. I don't mind a fly. Like, if he just wants to be there and, like, feel the excitement of, ooh, what are we going to get? That, that that Go nuts, right? I don't care if he brings, like, buddies into the interview room to sit in the corner quietly and, like, crack a beer and just go, guys, how cool is this? I bought an NFL team. Like, that, that, that I'm fine with that. The moment he leans in and goes, like, how do you handle – can you tell me a time when you handled adversity in the workplace? And can you, can you explain what your biggest weaknesses are? The moment he's jumping into the interview or having an, an opinion, I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. This ain't what you do. Hey, well, hey, what are your thoughts on cover two defense? <laughs> if, he, if he steps in and goes, you know, four verts always works in Madden. Uh, is it, <laughs> it, it, like, what do you think of? Then it's like, it, and I know that's an exaggeration, but anything along the, those lines becomes a massive red flag. And everyone in, in D.C. right now is going through it. Everything that we go through with, with Tepper, where it's like, oh, no, was this the coach's decision or is it forced on him? Oh, no, was the, the GM hired because he's a puppet? Or They're all going through all those questions right now. I saw someone, Matt Cahill, who works for 106.7 uh, up, in, uh, up in D.C. He tweeted out a picture of an article, a headline, that was uh, Sixers ownership because Josh Harris, the owner of the Commanders, also owns the Sixers. Sixers ownership pressured, uh, you know, picking Jaleel Okafor, former Duke guy, over Chris Dapps Porzingis. Because now he's going like, wait a second, maybe Josh Harris isn't just a fly-on-the-wall guy. Maybe he is an owner that likes to have his input felt on draft picks. Go back to when they took Jaleel Okafor over Chris Stapp's Porzingis. This is, you know, uh, um, what do you call it? The the Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe, where they find his, his workshop and he has all of the newspaper clippings and string and paper, and it's, he's making all these conspiracy connections. That's what they're doing in Washington right now. And Panther fans, it has to just feel kind of okay to know that somebody else is going through it too, <laughs> right? When when Dave Canales is hired, when Dan Morgan is hired, when they keep Evero, when uh, you know any of these guys are around, and we're all going like, "Where's the connection to Tepper?" And we have all the 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 stuff posted and thumbtacked to a wall. Another ownership group is doing it because of what's going on at the combine right now. He's also only sitting in on the quarterback meetings, the quarterback interviews. Well, it's a big decision. It is. But if you're just there as a fly on the wall to, like, you know, watch the sausage get made, wouldn't you want to see if you're, you know, how you interview defensive players too? Nah. You only want input on the big decisions. Let hey. the football people handle who's going to play offensive guard. I, the non-football person, want to decide who's playing quarterback. Make that make sense. You know what is not good? Describing some uh, another owner as Tepper-like. That's not good at all, especially after we saw the uh, the report card from the NFLPA yesterday where Tepper was 
28th out of 32 in the ownership group, despite positive marks on a lot of other places. It's an interesting place to be. That's all I'm going to say.